You are listening to the Backstage Pass podcast, hosted by Hannah Trigwell and sponsored by Tom. Hey Lauren, how's your week going? It's actually going really good, thank you. How is your week going? My week's going fine. Whereabouts are you? So I'm in like a bit of a weird setup because of the fabled coronavirus. Um, I'm at a family friend's house uh, because because on the weekend that the lockdown happened, I was recording one of the people that live here. Um, and All then right. we accidentally interacted with someone that had coronavirus and then I got locked down at their house and I've just been here for a month now. So this is why my studio setup is a bit um, Whoa. unique. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, That's um, really unlucky. <laughs> it is. It's been, I've actually had a really nice time though. And it's been, and we've yeah. ended up just recording the ho- like two albums now of material just because I've been here like for a month. That's so amazing. It's, like, makes sense. So is it, is it a band or an artist? It's just a single artist. Um, her name's Clary. And, um, she does cello and other stuff. And it's just, it's a nice, like, folky kind of environment. And it's okay if it's a bit lo-fi to record. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, like, cool now, I think, to have the lo-fi sound. Yeah. Do you ever get that? If someone comes into the studio, they're like, can, can we record it as if it's been recorded in my bedroom and it sounds a bit shit? <laughs> because everyone's quite good at pre-production now. They'll come in with their Logic projects already made and then I'll... Um, you know just adapt their project a bit maybe redub some stuff so it's like just a bit more radio quality friendly but it's like I don't want to take away the essence of what they've done so yeah I do um, a lot more of that which is quite a contrast to the stuff I do for Gary because that is like squeaky clean. The viewers or the listeners um, may not know that you work in Gary Barlow's private studio. Yes I do. How did that come about? That was with anything, I think, a bit of a weird series of events. Last year, I won the uh, European Pro Sound Award for Breakthrough Studio Engineer. Um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and I met uh, Fraser T. Smith, who... Um, oh my God, sure really? a lot of people might... Yeah. Whoa. Um, I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. He is incredible. Um, right. he, he won like best producer ever award obviously he then gave me his number and invited me to his studio and um, Manon Grangine was there so I don't know if you wow. know Manon or not because uh, Manon is uh, Fraser's engineer yeah. so um, we just got chatting and stuff and then um, I was kind of like oh I'm I'm doing a lot of freelance work if there's any work that you think that you could put me forward for that would be great and I didn't necessarily think that I was going to get anything from it because you know like we're all just chances aren't we we're just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, master blaggers everybody in this industry I feel like it's great though because there's quite a um an open conversation now between professionals in the music industry where it's like nobody really knows what they're doing yeah but I think that's great so many people have just started being honest about the fact that they're just, you know, figuring it out the whole time. Um, and I think that's really cool because it's allowed a lot of other kind of new musicians or up-and-coming people to feel like it is accessible. You pioneer things differently because you, you can't possibly say that you are doing this set path because there isn't a set path and then it just wouldn't work if you did exactly the same thing as someone else. So it's like, yeah, it's actually the key to it is by blagging and doing things differently. <laughs> yeah. So Blagging's such a great word. <laughs> I know, right? That's, exa- that's my whole career so far. I can't even. Um, so you did it. You pulled it off. You pulled off the blag. I did. So the next stage of that blag was the fact that three weeks later, Manon uh, rang me and was like, oh, I hope you don't mind, but um, I 
want to put you forward because Gary Barlow is looking for a new assistant that plays guitar, specialise in logic and writes songs. She was like, I just thought you'd be a good person. And I was like, what? Yes, that would be like Play it cool. Perfect. Play it cool. Who wants, to, like, who wants people who specialise in logic? Gary Barlow, apparently. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I would have just naturally thought um, Pro Tools. Mm. You, it's because it's that's the kind of industry standard but he wanted logic so um and that's like I, I actually am not very good at pro tools which i've been in many a conversation about pro tools versus logic and i just think all the softwares have their own thing and mm. he, uh, logic was the one i've chosen so <laughs> that, um, yeah fair um but yeah so i did the interview on the friday and then i got the job on the monday and then on tuesday i was like in the studio with him and Craig David. <laughs> like, what? No. I know. <laughs> Craig. Craig David. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm so jealous when... of you right now. <laughs> it's was a really weird too, and it's just been like a whirlwind since then um, of just like so many random things happening. Still very it, cool though. Yeah. In, in general, I, I work five days a week um, at his yeah private studio um Mm. as a production assistant is my official title but that encompasses like so many things it's like there's not a set job of what I do there it's just like everything because you had I think the last time we saw each other we were in a writing session yeah um and we were writing a song that I think we'd both been listening to a lot of Billie Eilish because it was quite dark right we thought we were so edgy (laughs) it was it was until she dropped some new stuff and then it was like oh this is this is so soft and tame. <laughs> That's the studio that I've been working out of for the past like seven years before yeah. I got this job with Gary last year. Because I knew that you had a studio called The Den, but I didn't know whether you were, whether you called your studio that I've been to The Den or the studio at Gary's The Den. Ah, uh, no, his is just his, like Gary's studio and then stuff. So yeah, The den, den. The Den is my, yeah, like Gary's, yeah, Gary's Den. Uh, the Den is where I've recorded like most of the albums that I've worked on, like all the projects, yeah. all the like, everything I've ever done was at The Den before I worked with Gary. Is that the first place you started recording and producing music from? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I started uh, recording music, I just had Audacity and two external like Logitech, uh, you know, laptop speakers. And like, that was my, that was my thing. And then, um, I built up a client base and I, I built up yeah. and reinvested in because I am um, found with my mum uh, someone at an open mic and I wanted to have some recording experience that wasn't just recording myself. So we recorded her and I recorded five tracks and I recorded them really, really badly. Um, and then I did that for free. And then I went to the next person and was like, oh, I've got this EP. Do you want to record with me? I charge £10 a song. Um, and she was like, yeah, OK. And then she had an EP and... Um, and then had £50. So then I used that £50 and then I bought a better microphone and then I went to the next person and said, oh, I've done these two EPs. Do you want to record with me? I charged £20 a song. And then I had £100 and bought a better interface and um, just sort of built up from that. But the, That's um, such a brilliant way to do it. That, it, wor- it worked really well. It actually turned out that on the second EP I did, the one where I charged £10 a song, um, it got played on radio. One of the songs got played on radio too. No, <laughs> um, and I was and I was eighteen when that happened, which made me like I think I think the like youngest female producer to have a track on radio too. I don't know, but it, it was Probably. very um, quick <laughs> in the progression of things happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard in the beginning to figure out what price you know if you're making music your career, what kind of price you should be charging for things. Did you just think, uh, you know? Like me, like I just started busking and I was just going to do it for free for 
you know, I didn't I didn't really think about what the charging situation would be from there so much as I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Is that a, the similar mindset that you had? Yeah, I didn't production? go it, it I didn't go in with a monetary mindset. I went in because the, the the real reason I got into music production was because I was in a girl band called The Folk and then later it became an indie pop band called Delora. And um, we were really lucky. And uh, when we were like 15, 16, we started working with Island Records. And so wow. when we were doing that, we were getting thrown into all of these amazing studios. And I was just the one that was like looking over the shoulder of the engineer being like, <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. Like, what does that do? What does that do? And um, I, I, at that point, that's where I was kind of like, oh, my God, recording is how you can write the best songs in the world because you can do all the layers, you can do all the sounds, you can verse stuff, you can put effects on it and like everything. And, and that's where my like love for it came. So then I started doing home recordings using, yeah, the speakers and a desk drawer and a beanbag as my studio. I love that first setup that you have there. You just think it's the most amazing, cool thing in you and it's just the worst set of speakers you've ever had and, yeah, like a beanbag. I know, literally. My first, like, my, my first, like, interface was a U2A, which is, like, just a two-jack in and then it turns us into a USB signal and I was using, like, I don't know, like a Behringer mixer to turn it from XLR to jack like so that it can then could go into the U2A into my USB into my computer. Oh, just blag in right from the beginning. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know. That that's like like I guess it builds up a foundation and uh I, I I'd be lying if I said that um I didn't think how I could sustain myself as a producer, which would be yeah. charging people and coming up with ways of doing it, but it was not my motive. Um it was just more like how yeah. do I carry on being able to do this as my job because I got kicked out of school and I don't have any A levels or anything or I know I have no qualifications. So I just like went straight out of school into um doing music production. Yeah. So what's the difference for you in terms of like experience between working just in your studio and working like for yourself versus working five days a week in Gary Barlow's studio? It's a really interesting time, actually, because I've now officially been working for a year with him. Um, yeah. So it's been, like, such a change. Uh, I think there are pros and cons to both. So as a freelancer, I'm hustling all the time, trying to get work and constantly trying to keep people in the loop. With Gary, it's, like, more stability. I always know that I've got work. I always know I'm going to have a salary, um, which is yeah. something I've never experienced. Like, this is my first job, working with Gary. So, um I would say I really enjoyed the freedom of freelancing and being able to work mm. and say, yes, I want to work with you. No, I don't want to work with you. Or someone being really talented and then being like, I have no money and be being able to have the power to be like, okay, we'll work something out then. And then also yeah. be like, I, and then other working with other people and, and being like, I don't think it's the right match and being able to say no. Um, yeah, I'd like, and I think that's what I've enjoyed about being in my current location is because there's no time scale, there's nothing specific about it, there's like nothing. It's like it's the first time in a year that I've managed to work on a project that is purely for just recording it and making it sound good. Like, and there's no, mm. there's nothing, you know, it's just and so that's like a big difference, I would say, between yeah. the two is the freedom of the projects. When we were writing a song together, mm-hmm. I noticed that you were using Splice. Yeah. Do you are you a fan of Splice? I am a fan of Splice. I think there's been a lot of controversy around Splice in general, and mostly negativity from people that don't use it, so don't really 
get what it's about. I mean, I use Splice for finding, you know, the golden egg of trying to find a good snare or a good kick, or I will make sample libraries out of, out of uh, like just single one shots. I won't use loops of things. Yeah. Uh, like maybe I'll use a loop of a hi hat pattern because that's right. that's probably that's probably the thing I would use it the most for snares and hi hat patterns. Um, because. I don't know. I like that. I wouldn't go for them for melodic or chord progressions or anything like that. Personally, I I just think I use it for drums, and then I'll just right. use it in yeah, excess and just make my own library out of it. Yeah, fair what, enough. What's your experience with it? What do you use it for? I haven't used it a lot, like mm. in a in a production sense. Um, I think I've been in quite a few sessions more more recently that seem to be using it more and more. Producers using it more and more. And I personally don't have anything against using sounds or even like, you know, sections of loops from sound libraries, because unless you're recording it completely organically yourself, it's just a sound from a different place. So I, so I, you know, I don't really get the negativity around that part of it. Have you worked with anybody who is like, oh, no, no samples, no loops? Uh, yeah, I mean, because um, my background was folk and then hardcore pop like right. so <laughs> and then my personal preference is like indie punk so it's a oh wow <laughs> like which is where my artist project kind of sits more as like yeah. the sound um did the artist project come before or after the production stuff uh it it came after my my thing kind All of right. went girl band time uh touring session musician producer yeah. And then just producer, and then artist producer, and then that's and then now Gary and artist, right? So like kind of how it uh, the artist project was completely born out of the fact that I was getting a bit fed up of always working on other people's music and like oh, not right. being in a band. Um, yeah. So that's how that kind of sparked out. But like for instance, on the artist project, I probably wouldn't use anything from Splice because i like organic drums i'll always get like a drummer in i'll always get session musicians in to work on it and then with the folk music they just don't want samples like, <laughs> <laughs> um and then in the pop music super want samples my the funny thing is i don't know if she knows that i do this but she basically you know katie ray katie ray is a songwriter yeah she's incredible um we like, we've been friends for like since oh, so like seven years or something um she gave me her login for her splice and then i also have my own splice account and i basically just log into her splice account go what are the freshest beats like what's the, what's the freshest stuff she's downloaded and be like yoink, 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 yoink. <laughs> and I just steal it from her because like i don't know if she knows that i do that or not um she's gonna find out <laughs> she's gonna find out i'm not using her credits i'm just like <laughs> taking the ones she's already sieved through um, but yeah so that's like i probably get most of my samples that's just from very from efficient that. that's yeah. just a very efficient way of doing it well she has i because i use the other thing that splice is really good for is for plugins so um i if i i have i like have ozone and uh ozone's right. really good for when you just need to quick bounce off masters for people and stuff when they just need to hear the track and it's like um she has access to that so you know swings and roundabouts so i was writing a song with katie ray a few months ago mm-hmm. um and i had no idea that you two knew each other really? she said that you go way way back yeah, yeah. It, it's just i think the songwriting circle is much smaller than you actually realize i've met a lot of different songwriters who know each other and i'm like what but you're in completely you seem to be in completely different spaces almost yeah um but how did you two meet 
she played cello in my folk band and it's like it's so weird because like uh, uh, she wasn't a producer she wasn't a producer at all like eight months ago and um yeah not saying that i'm completely the influence um but <laughs> but then she, was she just, said she'd just started recently you know just kind of figuring it out but she seemed to be pretty fluent already. i actually think she's like one of the best i'm not even just saying that because i actually think she's one of the best pro producers she seems like up. a real natural yeah with it. to say she's only been going for eight months yeah it's insane. I mean, she's doing so much writing stuff, and obviously she's got all the Shires cuts and as well now, like on the Shires album. Yeah, she's just smashing it. Really, is that why you're trying to steal all her samples? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what you got going there? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's nice because I've I've been we've been man- managing to work on each other's projects and stuff like that as well. So it's nice to have that. Like, I, I, along with a lot of my other friends, like I really like bringing people in on projects. So. Mm. I'll just, if there's anything I think that it makes sense, I'll link people up or get them to work on mine or ask to work on theirs or things like that. Because we ended up writing um, a song for a movie, which is the Caitlin Moran book, um, How to Build a Girl. Um, oh, amazing. Uh, me, do you know Girly? Do you know the artist Girly? Yeah, yeah. So me, Girly and uh, Katie wrote the song How to Build a Girl for the movie How to Build a Girl. Um Ah, which was cool. such, a, such a random thing we were just like hanging out and then like that's that's what happened and I guess that's kind of how naturally things in music happen friends of friends it seems to be always the best way for me anyway networking I don't know how you feel about that but networking to me is just really strange with strangers I'm, I find it really hard to be like this is what I do this is who I am these are my achievements I just feel really uncomfortable saying that kind of thing but when you meet someone and you just click on a personal level it's just so much easier yeah yeah I see that I, I think um the thing is it's like they're strangers become friends I guess yeah so it's like yeah. you end up seeing I used to have like such a mindset about um networking which is that you'd have to go in there and you need to set up your pitch and talk to people straight away and then like bam and then and then you realize that you're gonna see them again this isn't the last time you're gonna see them you don't have to queue up to talk to that famous person that happens to be at the event it's like you probably will actually cross paths again if you carry on working so it's like just work with what you've got and who you know and then just play the long game yeah absolutely it does feel like you have to do some kind of strange performance especially when you meet someone who you really look up to and you're trying to impress you're like oh I need to get these things in you know like uh, if you're an artist and you're on the radio for the first time you're like what are the things I need to plug (laughs) these are the things (laughs) Uh, yeah I've never been great at that (laughs) have you ever met like a band or an artist at a gig and thought yeah I really I want to work with you I want to record some stuff with you oh all the time all the time uh that's like do you scout people like that yeah yeah that's so um the way I started off was doing a lot of scouting, especially like my advice to people that are trying to get into music production is I went to open mics and just found people who hadn't recorded before. And cause they're not, yeah. they won't have a high standard or a bar. So you can really learn your craft doing that. And then as time went on, like, cause I was gigging, it really helped when I was in a band or a session musician, I'd pick up so much work doing shows because I would then speak to the other bands and ask them if they need any recordings done. And, that, and that's kind of how I got, quite a lot of work and then just before I got the Gary job I was like set up working with a few people and I just had to like cancel all of my I had to cancel all of my sessions and all of my gigs um but, you know <laughs> it, was, it was it was worth it in a way depending on what decision you wanted to like where I wanted my life to go yeah um, for sure but it's like that's something I love when you see a band and you're like oh my god they're so good and then you get to work with them like that's dreams you know I, I recently had a session with an artist called Stevie Parker who I okay 
gigged with like years ago and I, I saw her the first time because she was supporting Soak and then um, I happened to be in the band that was supporting her for her own tour um, and then we just got chatting then and then four years later we had a session which was like two months ago. <laughs> How did that go? It was, it was really nice. It was really nice. It was um, at the home studio of where I live in London. So again, it wasn't like super amazing setup. But you know, when you're writing songs, yeah. it doesn't really necessarily always matter. What kind of genre was she? Uh, she's like um, alternative, like, I, it's not really pop. It's got kind of like, I don't know, high vocal piano guitarness. I'm just getting so self-conscious now <laughs> the thought of her watching this interview but she's not going to watch yeah. it and now I'm like this is weird you said what? you think this is pop music? <laughs> I know literally <laughs> some people uh, do get offended by that word I, and I, I can understand in a way um, I love pop though pop's great pop's where it's <laughs> I don't know how did you feel about Busted when they were big? okay so about me I did not listen to music before the age of 14 I did not like music I like really hated music uh, and I owned, I learned to play <laughs> mm. guitar and when I was 11 and I made my own band and I wrote my own song straight away because I didn't like other people's music I was really weird as a kid Whoa. <laughs> that's really intense I know right so, I so you started writing music because you didn't like other people's music yeah that's blown my mind that's <laughs> absolutely but I because I'm completely the end of the spectrum I'm like I, I was listening to this music that my mum and dad were playing and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. I want to make this, like mm. even if it was an exact replica. And yeah. you were like, I hate this. I want to make something different. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's so, really unique. I don't know. It's a bit weird. I don't like doing, I don't do covers. I don't feel, I think I can, yeah. I really can enjoy other people doing covers because I, yeah. I really like that. As the producer in me, I specifically like hearing other versions of songs. You feel like you have to say that because I did covers. <laughs> you don't do covers. What? <laughs> yeah, I feel completely yeah, obligated. <laughs> no, no, but that's the truth, though. Is in like because being a producer, you can yeah. make a song sound anything. And I think when people do covers, that's their version of producing a song. I saw some TikTok videos that Katie Ray was doing recently. They're, They're so like, good, aren't they? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, really good, really good. So she she records a song in the style of a different song, and they're both famous songs, right? Yeah, it's just so cool. But the thing is, she's so she's very talented as a musician, like as a pianist and a singer. And um, I think that that kind of means that she innately hear. And also, she was classically trained, so she can hear things right. and then like replicate them. Were you classically trained? No, I don't have like any. Um, I, I can play guitar. I, I play guitar and bass as my thing, and I can play producer piano, as I call it. Um, okay. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I have like the complete opposite thing. Is like I can't replicate stuff. I'm so bad at it. Like I have such an. It's the same thing with the covering the songs. Like I have such a strong opinion of where I think something should go that I like. It's like my body won't <laughs> let me sound like something else, which is so problematic a lot of the time, especially when you're working in pop. Because the whole point is you're meant to make it sound like something specific, and I'm just like, wait, I don't want to do that. <laughs> then I guess what you're coming out with is super unique, and you know interesting because it sounds like you and probably nobody else sounds like you in that way just when I was still doing a lot more freelance stuff I found people would come to me because they would say that I love your recording style I love your production style I want to have tracks that sound in that vein and even when like when Gary asked me to produce something he's like do your thing on them now because I think he's realized like 
I because I really like guitars. I'm really good mm-hmm. at guitars. Um, and what so is you your want, thing like, in terms of production? What would you say is like your? What makes something your sound? Guitars, like guitars. Yeah, a guitar- lot of guitars. Guitars, <laughs> but like not necessarily a lot. Just like the right guitars. I, I really okay. like building textures around that as my primary instrument. Um, yeah. And then the other thing is like because I work with by coincidence, genuinely by coincidence, a lot of female artists. Um, I really like making the vocals like really clear on top. So like, okay. um, that's like something it, it was really noticeable that I didn't realize because again, I wasn't, I, I didn't listen to a lot of music, so I was just doing what I thought sounded right, and yeah. then hearing it, um like when it gets played on the radio versus the other songs or things like that, it's like my song would come on and you'd like almost know it was produced by me because of the style that it was in. But I got really self-conscious about that because I was like, that means my track can't professional because I don't sound like other people's songs. And I was just like, oh. It's just but. a new style though, right? Was that an EQ thing that you were doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was EQ. It was just it was just putting the vocals up quite high and but not compressed. Right. Okay. Like it was more bringing everything down and just putting the vocals softly on top. Like especially with the folk music, I didn't even I didn't even use a compressor on like the vocals on like loads of the stuff that I did. Partly because I didn't know what it was. But then <laughs> <laughs> I know I know exactly. I mean now I will just always put a compressor on everything. I would just spend so much time automating the volume. I did that. That's what I did instead of using a compressor. I automated wow. the vocal volume, which is probably why it sounded so unique. Was because it was bespoke to the vocal line. That's crazy. That must have taken a long time. Yeah, it took hours. But it made really good vocal lines. Do you ever go back to that technique and just think, this track could use my <laughs> original technique? Yeah, I'm literally thinking, like, the thing I'm working on right now, I should do that instead of trying to use... I've been using, like, a lot of optical compressors when I'm trying to use softer things or just use compressors lightly. I'm using, like, the FabFilter um, C2 as well which is my main compressor in the box. But um, no, I think I might do the automated volume thing. What would you say like your favourite go-to plugins in general? In general? Uh, I always put the Valhalla Vintage Reverb on as my primary reverb now. My go-to right. would be the FabFilter Q3. That's like my favourite plugin. I could... Yeah. I don't mind the Logic EQ stock stuff. Um, I actually don't mind Logic stock stuff in general, but like I really like. Oh, mate, you know, no. Favorite plugin is the um, Harmonic Analog Harmonic Saturator by Softube. Oh my god, changed my life. Changed my <laughs> really? life. Um, it's so good on vocals when you want to have like those on the top, like slightly crunchy, just like band vocals. It sorts out your basses. It sorts out your drums. If you make it like a, if you just run like it as a parallel compressor, or just run it straight in series on this channel strip, like you just get these like huge drums, like pop or um, real sounding nice. drums. It's just like it is the thing that like you could use on everything, and it would just make it sound good. You know, like yeah. How did you find out that those were your favorites? Was it all just trial and error? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very lucky because um, although I didn't get trained at all using Logic, um, I've just met a lot of people along the way and everything. And um, I, the that particular, the Softube one, um, was through this company called F9, um, who uh, we've been inadvertently working with. Um, and James from there basically just sat me down and was like, 
this is how you do drums. It basically you just sorts out all of your bass responses. It has like specific peaks and you can just you basically can control so much of your low end in the mix and so you can really sort the differentiation between your subs, your basses and your kicks so that the bottom end oh, is nice. like really tight, tight rather than like muddy. So yeah. Um, yeah, I really like I I really like that as well. Which I'm doing cool. so much more bassiest because pop is so much bassier than folk well that's what my music was like when in the band that i was in it was folk pop like it was such a such an interesting era it was like it was just before hayne got signed the staves were really big stealing sheep you know like everyone was like it was like pop florence and machine mumford and sons it was popping what's your artist name now so my artist name now is dd which is spelled d-i-d-i and that is a play on my last name which is deacon davis because people would just call me dd like Deacon Davis rather than Lauren Deacon Davis. When you said D-I-D-I, I was thinking, is that a play on D-I? You know? That would have been punnier. <laughs> Just like, I, I love... need a D-I box. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, do you know what D-I stands D-I-D-I. for? Because I, I thought you would have standed for direct input, but it doesn't. That is what I thought it stood no, for. No, it stands for direct injection, apparently. Oh. I learned that. Really? Yeah. I might be wrong. I'm really glad this is recorded. I'm going to Google it later. <laughs> you said that when you first got into production, you had a small setup with just two small speakers and you were using Audacity. Mm-hmm. What made you change to Logic? I actually was on Cubase for like a year. I worked a lot with Cubase yeah. in high school and I actually loved Cubase. And this, the switch between Cubase and Logic was super hard for me because they mm. look completely different. Audacity to Cubase was fine and then Cubase to Logic was really hard. Um, yeah. But the thing is, I was still such a noob that it just didn't matter. Like, I just knew nothing anyway. So it just like it was just <laughs> learning from scratch that way around. Um, I feel like right. people who transition from Cubase to Pro Tools don't have a hard time because I think they're quite similar. But um, All right. Logic is quite weird. Uh, if you've been using Cubase, but I found it, I found it fine. Yeah, like because I just didn't know anything anyway, so it was just learning it from scratch. You've come from quite a musical family, there, right? Ah, oh, within reason. I mean, hey, um, sorry, that was a bad reason joke. Um, hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad was a record producer before I was born, but he didn't do that whilst I was growing up, and I actually didn't find out who's a record producer until I'd or until I was like. 18 I don't really know what I was doing with my life to not know that um <laughs> and my mum my mum and dad used to manage a band called Blush before I was born or like just when just as I was born but they both stopped doing that and then um my dad ended up doing like lots of other uh, interesting jobs and so did my mum um and my mum the reason why you probably think I come from a musical background is because my mum runs a record label Folkstock Records um right but that was set up post me becoming a producer. So I think she oh, right. kind of saw it as like, oh, okay, we, I have a studio at the house and my daughter produces music. I love promoting music. I really like this genre. She was managing my band, the folk band, for a while as well. So she ended up meeting like loads of people. Um, oh, that's cool. And then we kind of ended up doing this like boutique label where she'd find the artist, shoot them down to the mop of the garden. I'd record their music, send it back up again, and then mum would PR it and put it out to the world. Whoa, that's like a machine house. Yeah, well, we put out. <laughs> so I've, I've got like more than three hundred commercially released tracks that I've worked on or produced. That's like, amazing, and that and that's I guess because and that's something I'm just, I'm so lucky and privileged to have that she was so supportive and such a powerhouse of a person. Um, 
to do that but um yeah so like yeah that was that was pretty pretty fun <laughs> how is it working with family did you find that just to be easy because it's you kind of you're on the same wavelength I guess yeah I think um me and my mom have got very similar mindsets very similar mindsets so I think it worked really well but there was obviously things that we didn't necessarily always thought was right but we never I don't know I've never really clashed with her like personally yeah. I think she's she's very like because I'm um, I have like quite a lot of learning difficulties and I did when I was a kid and um I think she very much like stepped in and so she learned how I work really well so when okay. we were working together it was just sort of I guess a continuation of her like being the understanding person that she was as I was growing up so yeah we just kind of get on really well when you've got a parent who's so supportive of whatever your passion is it makes a huge difference um like I know some of my friends as I was growing up were also into music but because their parents weren't as supportive of it even if they weren't thinking about it as a career just in general yeah. it became something that was kind of pushed to the back and then eventually you know naturally just dropped off the edge of a cliff and they never did it ever again yeah. but I think that's such a shame because a lot of people even if they're not making money from it or doing it as a career find it great to have that as an escape and you know even if they're writing songs in the bedroom to get that out as kind of therapy um I know I did like when I was growing up it was never about a career thing it was just I'm sad or I'm anxious I'm a teenager (laughs) (laughs) um a lot of that and like thankfully my parents were supportive of that but if they hadn't have been then I might not know how to play guitar right now yeah exactly as I got older and I realized that um parents weren't as supportive or things like that or that people did have such a stronger struggle it's sort of when I tried to make a bit more of a conscious effort to help other people or like do mentoring or just lend out gear or just like do things in general give advice where I could because it made me you know it made me really sad to see these people who are really good and they just can't they don't have access or the support to be able to continue their career properly and so um I mean, there's, you know, there's always so much more any of us can do to help other people. And I'm not yeah, at all absolutely. saying I'm a saint for occasionally giving You're an some angel advice. But <laughs> sent down to us from heaven. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's something like I'm aware of in general that I want to do more of. Um, just, yeah, that's just awesome. helping people and just get, letting them actually get into spaces. Like, we're talking about mm. these networking events and stuff, and it's like people can't even get into the room. And it's like, yeah. like what, what can we do to try and help them get into the room? Um so yeah, or like know it even the even the room exists, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's reminded me that we met at a women in music panel, didn't we? Oh my god, yeah, the one in Leeds. I completely forgot. I was thinking, how do we know each other? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that kind of thing, and these these other music conferences and um, you know business insight days, I think are, are great, especially if they're free, because a lot of people, it's a bit of a mysterious area. Mm. how do you get into it especially things with production or you know things that aren't so at the fore in terms of the biz um, yeah it's just great to have that information have people who can offer advice on that stuff did you did you enjoy that conference <laughs> I did I, I I really think that they have a place and I think that yeah. um I think everyone is at different stages of their career at those events and it benefits more than others and things like that. But I think um, I think we talked about some really interesting topics at that particular panel. 
but yeah, no, I think I think Panel Talks created one for um, rebalance on International Women's Day, just the weekend before everything went crazy. Oh, cool. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that was that was a really good event. Like there was there were some really incredible people there, and I, I think that maybe the panel information isn't always the most interesting or useful sort of thing, but the fact that you get to meet all of the people is integral to like progressing your career. In my opinion, I've had some great conversations with people after things like that. Um, yeah, you are a very humble person. Wow! But thanks. you are you are award winning, are you not? I, I I'm a couple of award winning, yes. <laughs> so um, I won best producer of 2017 and 2018 for the NMG awards. Um, and That's then I was, pretty amazing. Thank you. It's two you know, years on the trot. Yeah, I won it the first year it was around and then I won it the next year again and then I just didn't enter the third year because then I was working for Gary Barlow and I just and then I won the PSN I won the European award for Breakthrough Studio Engineer. It's such a it's such an amazing award, but let's put it this way. There were 30 men nominated in the category. I was the only woman and then I got put in the top five and there still I was the only woman. I was probably the only one under 25 as well because I, I was 22 when I won it, I think. Yeah, I must have I must yeah. been 21 or 22 or something when I won it. Um and then, yeah, and then I won it. And then the next year, I'd also been nominated for Breakthrough Artist of the Year with my DD project. Um, and I'd also been nominated for Best Indie Artist or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to win these. <laughs> and then I ended up winning Best Producer again and then Best Breakthrough Artist. And I was just like... <laughs> I always wear, like, really ridiculous outfits as well. Like, I'll just wear, like, at the, the PSN Awards, I think I just wore a full checkered outfit with a green T-shirt and, like vans and i had pink Excellent. and white hair i don't know it's just like you have to stand out very rare things. that you can do that and it not look weird yeah even the other day i was walking down the street and i realized i had the same color and they were colored they were like red color trainers jumper and hat on and i was and i had this moment of wow i'm so extra right now this is <laughs> unacceptable <laughs> um but if i'd have been in an award ceremony i would have earned it yeah i mean maybe your life is an award ceremony you should celebrate every day i like that my life is an award ceremony i like that that's very good i'm gonna use that i personally have really struggled with quite severe imposter syndrome this whole time because i just don't think i'm that good and it's not even like i'm fishing for compliments it's like i inherently don't I, I like really have such a block on it that i've only recently got over um and the only reason i got over it was because i realized that people don't necessarily think i am the best in the world but they think i'm good enough you know right, yeah. like i think i think yeah, i have because yeah. of because of the awards because of all the things i did at such a young age and everything people are like oh she must be like the best thing ever and i'm like actually no one really cares. And if you can get what they need from you done, then that's all that matters. And that kind of makes me think back to what you were saying before about, you know, the blagging situation. Um, there's no set path, as you say, though, like the right way to do things necessarily in each area of the industry, which mm. there's a lot of people in the industry that I've met that do have imposter syndrome. And I think maybe that is linked to there not being a direct path because every single thing that you do even if you you achieve something that you have previously thought is impossible you're like but am I supposed to be further on than this or am I am I on the right track or is this the right thing that I should be doing yeah and so yeah like there's there's been so many people that I've talked to in the in the industry that have imposter syndrome and it's almost made me think why is that why 
Because I don't mm. necessarily think that there are many other in- industries where there are a lot of people who have questioning thoughts about their own achievements or career or... And it, maybe it is that there's there's not a clear kind of grade that you can put yourself against and see, you know, am I on the right trajectory or... Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. I think it's like just not having a set, you should have achieved this by this time or done that or like, am I even doing... I think there's a lot of people questioning if they're even doing the right thing. Like, how have they yeah. even managed to have a career at all? Because they're like, I don't even, I don't even have a slightest glimpse of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> or I, th- I think, I think it's truly though the feeling of being rumbled. So my right. biggest fear, especially for the last year, was that um, I was going to get fired because Gary would find out that I'm actually a terrible producer. <laughs> uh, like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's like a real big problem I've had. I literally only just got over that. Um, and it's what's like, it like working with Gary? He's really good. He's so skilled. He's he's a really good producer. I didn't realise. Like Really? Uh, yeah, he's like he's such a good producer and a really good arranger. He's just like uh, I would yeah, never I have guessed that in a way. I I know he's a great songwriter. I think mm. it's been really well documented how how many songs and hit songs he's he's written, but yeah, I had no idea that he was into production as well. Yeah. Well he has like a couple of um like we have the main studio in London, but he has like his home studios and stuff like that, and they're just they're really good setups. And he d- he does all the production for his stuff, or like most of the time, oh, wow. at least for pitching. Um, and then Ryan, the other engineer, um, who's in the studio, there's four of us in the studio. It's Gary, Ryan, and then his assistant Elisa and me. Um, and Ryan just mixes and engineers everything, so it's like they've got right. a, a really good synergy because they've been working together for like twenty years or something. Um, and then I've like come in like hello everybody and then kind of putting <laughs> average guitars on things and kind of it's kind of like you've because... graduated from your machine pumping out music house with your mum to gary Barlow's house <laughs> it was just literally well there was a there was a small interim between those two which was that i worked three days a week at a studio called sound lab studios that was in east london which was 10 minutes from where i was living which was really helpful um <laughs> it's really ridiculous the shifts there, that that schooled me. That schooled me, but not necessarily in production or engineering, but like the pro- the sessions we'd have in. We did this thing called, this is a quite big YouTube channel actually. Do you know um, the YouTube channel called Black Box? Yes. So the, 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 it's like Grime Daily, but like, um, yeah. it's not Grime Daily. Um, <laughs> so good um, good description. <laughs> that is what it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah it's like a lot of grime drill just or just like standard R&B and stuff basically that studio is where Black Box is hosted so once every other week on a Sunday I would do a shift from 11 in the morning till about 2am at night Um, and that was just like one one sitting and we'd have like 30 different rappers and they'd all bring their friends like being in that environment um, really like taught me really quickly how to deal with like groups of people working in a genre that I had never worked in before but also asserting myself I was just like this yeah. young girl sitting at the desk and suddenly all these like five massive guys would just walk in and be like where's the producer and I'd be like it's me <laughs> you know so um like I now understand like what good grime is like you know versus mm. bad grime before I couldn't even differentiate or like it taught me so much about like 
where the where pop music has taken specifically from like underground trap grime drill and where that what bits they've taken to put into pop and like I can and I know so yeah. many more artists and kind of things like that and that's that's something that I would have never thought I would have experienced I just wouldn't have experienced staying in the den or working for Gary Barlow so it's like right it was really good to have I, cool. I mean I, retrospectively I like it at the time oh my god most ridiculous <laughs> shifts were you still working at Sound Lab when we wrote a song together? I think so. I worked there for six months, the back end of the year before last. Because I remember us talking about, you know, what like what kind of music you were into and how you got into production. Because I, 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 find, I find production, like, fascinating, even though I don't do it as, like, my main thing. But you can only... There's only so many hours in the day and all that. Yeah. Um, but I find it genuinely quite fascinating how people get into it and I remember talking about the kind of music that you were listening to and then I was like oh so do you recall that kind of thing you're like no I mostly do grime and I was like oh really (laughs) yeah okay cool I mean the lines between sound engineering production and mixing even Mm. are just so blurred what i've learned is the biggest differentiation between those jobs being separated out is how much money there is and how big the project is so okay usually if you're on a small project um for independent artists you'd be the engineer the producer and the mix engineer and maybe even the mastering engineer like all in one and then as you get to the next tier maybe the producer will do all three and then you'd get a separate mastering engineer and then you go up to the next stage and then maybe the producer might engineer and do that and then you get a mixing engineer then a mastering engineer and things like that and the further up you go the more there is differentiation between the roles yeah because um, i've worked with producers before who i've been like oh now we'll get it mastered and they're like oh i've, I've kind of mastered it as we've gone almost i would say a big thing as well though is just like technology's got a lot better i don't think um yeah you need to do you don't need those jobs all separated out because you actually kind of can do it all in one go like all as one person especially because I think mixing completely changes the song. So you, the mixing part is still creative. And so if you're a producer that knows how to mix, then you're probably going to get a better product in a way because as you were producing it, you had a vision of how you wanted it to sound. And the mixing is just making sure that it confirms the vision that you had it sounding like. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I've sent mixes off or things like that to other people and I'm like, that is not what I thought. And then other times... <laughs> They've sent it back and I've been like, that is not what I thought, but I like it. So Yeah, definitely. I feel like the songs, as you say, the sounds even of stuff completely can, if you allow them to, change in the mixing stage after production. Um, but hopefully for the most part, it's a good change. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's always battles, isn't there, between like... I yeah. think I think also an interesting thing is, um, because I would say I'm a mix engineer as well, it's like telling the artist when to stop like right they just don't know when to stop like how yeah. finickety you're getting and I, I think before I always used to take that take that personally and be like oh like oh I keep messing this up I can't keep getting it right and then as I like did more and more work I was like no they just don't know where you're meant to stop on like how refined or how much you change that like little thing or like how much people will not notice that you want your mm. vocal half a decibel up on that one word like <laughs> you know and it's yeah <laughs> unfortunately we are out of time but it's been so great to speak to you thanks so much for talking to me today lauren it's been awesome thank you for having me it's been a pleasure to be on <laughs> <laughs>